Amy Hill. Hi. So good to be here with you in Honolulu. We're in Honolulu, Honolulu, Hawaii. To be exactly pinpointing our location, it's in Anaha, which is in Kaka'ako. I know you yeah. love the Hawaiian words, Amy. Yeah, Amy, they all ran together in my mind. I couldn't find anywhere I was today. You're so funny. Is it Hakoa I did not do well. But you made it all the way around the island. Yeah. Yeah, you did. I felt very accomplished. You did a lot yesterday. And you've made a message out of your mess, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, means have fun, even yeah. though it's raining. Yeah, or like mm -hmm. sunshine at a, what is it? <laughs> I don't know. Sunshine, sunshine at a. <laughs> We've had a little cocktail as yes, well. We so we're a little loosey-goosey. Yeah. Yeah, because I know you had a vision of what your trip was going to be like, and it's not exactly that, but you have made it a great experience. Because you're Thank willing you. to go with the flow. Thank you for that. Well, but it's that's... true. Hey, it's Evie Moss, and this is another episode of It's Quite a Living. These are conversations with friends of mine who get to say, it's quite a living, as opposed to a lot of us who can just say, ah, it's a living. Anyway, one of those people is Amy Hill. You might recognize Amy from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Preacher, and Mom. You may have heard her in shows like American Dad and Lilo and Stitch, King of the Hill. She's done a lot of voiceover work. And she started her career at the Asian American Theater Company, which is where I met her in San Francisco, where she was doing improv and a lot of voiceover then. I was starstruck even before she was the star that she is now. Amy's since gone on to work in a lot of regional theater from the Mark Taper Forum to Broadway. So this conversation was recorded in January in Honolulu in her home. The audio quality isn't great. The quality, the content is great. So I wanted to make sure you still got to hear what she had to say. But at the time, we also didn't know if Magnum PI would be back for a third season. And I just talked to her again, and I'm happy to report that they're starting production in August. So look forward to another season of Magnum PI with Amy Hill as Kumu. And here's a little bit more about her personal and her professional life. Yeah, it is. We should explain why I am visiting you in Honolulu, <laughs> in Hawaii. In Hawaii. Well, we've known each other oh my since God. we lived in San Francisco, both of us. I think I figured it uh, out. Oh. We're in our fifth decade. Yes. And that seems completely wrong because we're both so young. We are. Well, you haven't changed a bit. You haven't either. No. You're blonde. I'm blonde. That's yeah. true. I'm a blondie now. But you know, a lot of people as they age, they go blonde. Yes. Are you because having more fun? Gray? I older oh, and totally. blonder. Well, it's because when you're getting gray hair, it's like then you don't have to do the roots. If you go kind of blondish, yeah. the gray grows in and it's okay. Yeah. And I was so attached to the brown hair, plus, you know, my characters are always with yeah. brown hair. But it was getting so annoying having to do root touch up constantly. Yeah. Within a week, I had to do root touch-up. Well, now they do it for you. They do. Because you're here on Hawaii. 
on the re-up of, the remake, the redo, the uh -huh. new version of Magnum, Magnum P.I. Yes. And I think this Magnum is way cuter. I know so people were cute. very attached to Tom Selleck. And okay. I'm sorry you didn't get a chance to go to set. But, you know, he's cute. Jay he Hernandez cute. is adorable. He's not even in this building because he's in L.A. No, doing no. upfronts. Never he's mind. at TCA. TCA. The Television Critics Association. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yes, he's I there. That. So thank goodness he said he was taking a bullet for all of us. <laughs> Going to because it's exhausting. Yeah, they he works they really hard and then he has to TCA. fly to LA and do this yeah, publicity stuff the and then fly back and go straight to work on Monday morning. Well, that's the life. Thank of God the it's not me. Yeah, so let's talk about when it is you. Let's go back to you okay. and me. Enough right. about you. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. No. So we met like in the 80s. We won't say when in the 80s. No. I'm just leaving that right. loose. Right. And you were doing. Improv, yes, for National Theater of the Deranged. Yes, I was, and I was a big fan girl, and we ended up being signed with the same agent. Yes, Amy yes. Hill and I. That's right. Same agent. We had Grimay. Grimay, Joan Spangler. Joan Spangler, who had big giant acrylic nails. I remember. <laughs> and then I got the big giant acrylic yes. nails. I was too scared. I'm doing the acrylic nails. Maybe that's why you're successful now. That's right, no acrylic nails. <laughs> you know, it was interesting to look back on those days because they acted so Hollywoody. And then when I moved to LA, it was like, well, nobody's acting like that. They only acted like that in yeah. San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> it was there what they thought Hollywood was like. Right. Well, strange. That was a fun time, though. It and, was. Um, we were kind of big fishes in a small pond. Right. And then I got signed with a big voice agent in L.A. Who did you get signed with? The guy who helped. Joseph Helfond and Rick. That's right. And Don, he was a legend, and he found Casey Kasem. So right. he was Casey's agent. Right. And when I got signed with JHR, I thought, all right, I'm moving to L.A. I'm going to be big, big voice talent on cartoons and everything. Right. Well, you Nothing. have the voice. Well, I moved to L.A. and thought I'd have voice as my... You know, yeah, you I was big. So much you were. I big. did, and then I yep. moved to LA. I couldn't get right. arrested with yeah. a voice agent. And Michael mm. Pritchard liked me mm -hmm. as a person, and he was signed with Joseph Helfond and Ricks, and yeah. they signed me because of Michael. Mm. I didn't get any work, but, but you I, got acting work. I got acting work. Let's talk about that progression. Oh, all right. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, I had enough friends in Los Angeles that when I got there. I had other people who were editors and stuff, and so I actually got a job working on Lifetime Medical Television doing all the narrations for medical procedures because I was really good at saying medical terms, cold. See, yes. that was my skill, I think, in San Francisco. I could do scripts really yes. easily cold. Yes. So that's what I did, and then I did Joseph Helfond and Ricks had, I think, a game show guy. I think he got me on a bunch of game shows and I was a gay I did game show run throughs. And I also did the gong show and won. I was on <laughs> the gong show. Talent? Well I had these characters from improv and sketch in yes. San Francisco. So I did a character called Coco. Yes. And I wrote my own song mm -hmm. based on a song that I found in karaoke that was you are uh, my funky monkey baby. <laughs> Can you do so, a little? Yeah. Kimi wa funky monkey baby. Kimata iru yo. 
夢で見たファンタシー遊びましょう<笑> and that ladies and gentlemen won the gong show the that was the beginning and all my theater、career. friends were like oh Amy no <laughs> and I said it's an after contract I got after scale.、Mm-hmm. And after, we should tell people in the old the, days,、mm-hmm. that was the union. It was primarily radio and television. Right. And SAG was aspirational. Fancy. Line. Yeah. yeah, the Screen Actors Guild.、Right. And boy, if you had your union cards,、right. that was you great. You didn't have a SAG card when you moved to LA? I did. Yeah, I, I think it was great、cards. we started out in San Francisco because、yeah. I didn't know it was so hard to get. That's right. <laughs> we and, both got these cards and was like, okay. Yeah. And they were sister unions, so it was really cheap to get in when、right. we got in. Yeah, I got mine from an episode of Divorce Court <gasps> and an episode of the Dan White incident. <gasps> and those are both in San Francisco? Yeah. Wow. See how fancy you were? Maybe Divorce Court was LA. I, was I don't、there. have any I idea. I don't know. It was, was five decades. Well, five I couldn't get arrested.、Ago. I didn't have a theatrical agent in、yeah. LA for a long time. I sent out stuff and I just couldn't. And I think there was one Asian American agency that said they'd take me, but I didn't want to be put into the. And then I did, they didn't have really great people. So I didn't want to be in that agency. And I finally got an agent who was not that great, but at least somebody who could send me in、right. to see stuff. Well, when did you create your one woman show, Tokyo Bound? Well, was that LA or was that? I was LA、uh-huh. because, you know, I was struggling. I was doing these game show run throughs in medical television and my first time collecting unemployment insurance.、Oh. Because of all the work I did in San Francisco, I was able to do that. But I kept thinking they were going to say, well, can you answer phones? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But they didn't care. In LA, if you said you were an actor, They didn't expect you to do anything else. Yeah. In my brain, I thought I should be able to get another job to pay the rent. Well, some of us sold cosmetics. Yeah, we did a lot of、yeah. things, you know, but I went in and I collected my unemployment insurance, and they never expected me to do anything but act, which was lovely. That was lovely because、yeah. the world is a better place. That's、Amy、right. <laughs> Is only required to act. That's right. Because look at you now. Exactly. Well, so here's what happened. I also speak Japanese.、Mm-hmm. And so I had already a community of some Japanese speaking people in the business. One of them said, Do you want to interpret on a movie that's shooting in Monterey? You could be in the art department. And I said, you know, It was a thousand bucks a week. Yay. I said, Yes,、uh-huh. because I needed some money. Right. So I went to Monterey and I ended up being the DP's. Interpreter,、uh-huh. which was hell because you start at the crack of dawn and this is the day of film. And that's the director of photography. Yes,、mm-hmm. and that worked until late at night because then we would watch dailies because that's when film existed and anything that could possibly happen bad. Right,、happened. so you check、I、the results in, on film yes, each day. Yes, the dailies. The, okay. Yeah, that's why、mm-hmm. it's called dailies. And because it's on location, it's a six day work week.、Mm-hmm. So the only day you have off is Sunday. And I laid in bed many times thinking I could sneak out in the middle of the night and nobody would know. <sighs> I was so miserable.、Oh. So much hard work. How many weeks did you do that? It was about a month. Yeah. And it was a horrible production. Everybody was just hideous to each other. And I was the interpreter, so people were being hideous to each other through me. <laughs> so I got all that toxic <laughs> energy Coming in from English、oh. to Japanese. And the Japanese、Your、thought I was one of them,、things. so they'd say nasty things about the Americans. And the Americans thought I was one of them, so they'd say nasty things about the Japanese. It was horrible.、Oh. 
What did and that during that time, I got a call from LA in the Asian American community, there was gonna be a solo festival. And one of the people said, I heard you had a solo show. And I said, yes, this is before the internet. <laughs> and I said, yes, but all my stuff is in LA. So, you know, I'll have to finish this job before I go back. And they didn't bug me about it. And I finished that job, moved back to LA, and within a month had written a 20 minute short solo piece. Oh and did it, and everybody loved it. Loved it. And then I'd worked in San Francisco and Seattle in my days of mm -hmm. theater, and Seattle called and said, can you develop that into an hour? And I said, sure. So I went up to Seattle and did it, and then I went to San Francisco and did it. So I called it Tokyo Bound, which had a double meaning of being you know, oh. bound up in Tokyo. Because growing up, my mother is Japanese and my dad's Finnish. And of course, my mother influenced me more than my dad did. But I went to Japan just to get out of Seattle. And I ended up understanding my mother, understanding who I was, and how Tokyo had created this opportunity for me. So it's like the moment of the show where there's that realization is when I learned how to speak Japanese and my mother wrote me a letter in Japanese. Growing up, I thought my mother was just an idiot because she had a big mm -hmm. accent and I thought she was just stupid. Right. And the letter was poetic and beautiful and so erudite. Mm -hmm. This is like my beloved Amy. She never said anything like I love you or nothing growing up. Mm -hmm. Suddenly it's like I'm beloved <laughs> in Japanese. Uh -huh. And then she said, you know, at the end the letter, just beautiful stuff. And then at the end, it was like, you know, your loving mother. I was like, what the hell? Who's this person? What? It changed oh. everything. Oh. And it changed how I felt about myself. And that's now my email is still Tokyo Bound. But it's all about a coming of age experience. And it was also, I could come back to the mainland, to the States, and I felt like I could stand anywhere I wanted to, and I had a right to be there. Growing up, I never felt like I had a right to be mm. anywhere. I was always on the outside looking in. Well, you know, it's interesting because your experience in Monterey on that show of being the middle ground of the good and the bad and the in and the out, yeah, and the, yeah. the two cultures and the cultural divide, and you're half Finnish and you're half Japanese. Mm -hmm. So it must have been tough to find a place to stand which side of the line do you stand on? And you've been able to leverage that both, but you also have sort of this non-specific sort of look to you. So you've played right. many characters of many cultural origins. Well, I pretty much stick to non-specific or specific Asian. Right. So when I moved to LA, and I think I used to do these uh, casting workshops. Mm -hmm. Remember, did you mm -hmm. do those? Yeah. So, and they were basically you, you would cold pay money, and yeah, the and casting director would casting come in. Casting directors and... would come in, and you just do. Yeah, for me, it felt like a masterclass because a lot of the people that I worked with in this one group that I did, they were brilliant actors. So to see them pick up a script and make choices yep. on the fly was amazing. And in that workshop, a casting director called me in, the casting director for Santa Barbara. I never anticipated getting work out of it, but I thought it was a good 20 bucks to spend on just learning how right. people make choices and how they affect these choices and commit. It doesn't matter. There's so many million choices you can make in anything, mm -hmm. but as long as you commit, it becomes the right choice. Yes. Exactly. So I went in, and I didn't know what he wanted, and I was really excited because it was like my first job. And he said, okay, this is the script. And I was like, a Nicaraguan nun. <laughs> but it was like a 12-episode arc. 
And I was like, and oh, I can do that. I can do that because I had a boyfriend from Nicaragua for three years in San Francisco. Oh. And I remember his accent and I hung with these people. And I thought, politically, I was like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. This is for the people that are Latino. Right, right. But I did it, got the job, went to the set, and the set, they had all these signs in Spanish, you know, like no fumar. Yeah. Who doesn't know no fumar? Well, these people. <laughs> what does that sign say? Uh, no smoking. And all the extras were like, hey, como estas? And I'm like, you know, I know enough Spanish. Yeah, you answered in Japanese, said, though. Yeah, I answered in Japanese just to throw them off. <laughs> and I shared a dressing room with another Latina actress, and she was talking all the time and saying, our men this and our people this. And I didn't know how to break in and say, I, they're not my people. <laughs> oh, so we man. did this whole thing, and then at the end, you know, this is like weeks later, she says, oh, you know, it's a good thing. We can move on. We're good. We can do, you know, English speaking stuff, but we could also do Spanish because the Spanish market's huge. And I said, well, I don't really speak Spanish. And she was like, well, didn't your parents speak Spanish at home? I said, well, my mom's <laughs> Japanese. My dad's Finnish. And she's like, what the? <laughs> so Another sad. example of the brilliance of Amy Hill's acting. Ah, yeah, it was embarrassing. Santa Barbara, did that feel like your first kind of quasi-big break? It was a big break, but I could never do that part again. Right. Because, you know, my friends who are Latino in the theater community were like, well, you did a good job. Yeah. Because I did do a very slight Nicaraguan accent, Uh but I felt really uncomfortable the whole time. What came next? Oh, then I was New York. I was one of Julie Kavner's friends in the post office on the Tracy Allman show. And then I had to speak with a New York accent, which I'm not good at either. That's why the voice jobs, I never really was that good at accents. And I could do Asian accents. Uh, And medical terms. And medical terms, exactly. Because I was at the Asian American Theater Company and I did Asian American sketch comedy. And so I'd really worked hard at creating real people with accents that were Asian. Uh (laughs) And then all of a sudden I'm like, New York? Uh, I can mimic, right? but I can't like pull it out of the air uh-huh. that easily. So, And this is before the internet, before we had like, now I can YouTube yes. people with New York accents and practice before I go in. Those days I had Edith Skinner tapes. <gasps> I remember Edith, Edith Skinner? Skinner? I had Edith Skinner accent tapes. Yep. Mid-Atlantic, New York. Yes. So I used those things to try to fake it but I did okay and I could just copy Julie and then you got film work you got some yeah well I was in San Francisco I did a dim sum in San Francisco and I should have come down during that time because you know Robert Roger Ebert all these people I never thought I would go to LA because you know San Francisco people poo poo LA Mm-hmm. because they think they're much better actors. You know, it's the Boston, the New York deal. Yeah, and the, right. So stupid. So when I moved to L.A., I was like, wait a minute. All the good actors live here. <laughs> Why didn't I move here a long time ago? I mean, really, actors from New York, Chicago, London, I mean, they come to yeah, L.A. That's what they ate to make my a, lunch when I moved there. So, Yeah, because they want to make a living. Yeah. They can they do theater good, forever, then. and they're good. They're good. So anyway, that was a learning experience, a hard learning yeah. experience, a good one. So the first big break in film, I think, came with Scrooged. 
Oh. I was in a movie with Bill Murray. Wow. I know. Oh my God, and you've done so many things. I feel like such a I bad friend. Just, I, no, you're fine. I just I don't walked know your through. IMDb by heart. You don't have to. So I remember walking on the Paramount lot to between different stages, and it was during a writer's strike, so we had to make up our own lines, which was good, because I was from improv. <laughs> improv. But I remember walking through these stages and thinking, oh my God, this is Hollywood, because the set, yeah. there was snow and fairies coming through. I mean, it was just like magic. Wow. It's a great visual. Oh, it was amazing. Love it. Yeah. And, you know, that was my first moment of I'm in Hollywood and this is the best thing ever. And then I did, uh, like the Tracy Ullman show, I don't think we had an audience. But the first studio audience, I think, might have been Growing Pains. I was on that a million years ago. I played a doctor. Yeah. And they, years later, the woman who's on Growing Pains, the mom, mm-hmm. she became a director, and I worked with her on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Very oh. tiny life. Anyway, so I worked on Growing Pains, and I thought, this is it. This is what I want to do. Because <laughs> it's like doing a mini oh, play. so you had the best of both worlds. You had you your had live audience theater. and television. Yes. Yeah, and and you have a week salary. to learn your lines, <laughs> and a week to find the funny parts and the whatever. Yeah. It was a multi-camera sitcom. Yeah. I wish it came back more. And you, now did, you did Mom, and you did, as you said, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. You mentioned something about that show to me, which was, it was certainly an interesting kind of television experiment in a way, sort of like cops, with, you know, right, the, the singing, right. dancing cops right. in a way. And it was right after La La Land, I think, had come out. So uh-huh. some of the singing in the sitcom was you know, maybe in vogue perhaps right. then. But you said that really raised the bar for you because they were theater actors. They were Broadway. Yeah. Big fancy Broadway people. People from Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. Cinderella. Right. <laughs> Patty Lapone was on there. In- Crazy ex-girlfriend. Really? Not in any scene I was in, but I remember seeing her. Anyway, so all these people that I was, you know, in awe of were sitting around a table at table read and they'd be singing like genius singing. Did you have to sing? I sang two songs. I sang my first episode, I sang, I was a a hype man for a hip hop song. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I give good parents, as they say, and I would say, she give good parents, parents. I had to say parents because I was Filipina. She gives good parents. Anyway, uh, and then later I sang a song in the last season that I worked on the show before I came here. They wrote a song for me because I was Josh, the love interest mom, who yes. was Filipino. And I was Filipina, and I had to sing a song, Get Your Ass Out of My House, which is exactly <laughs> what I was thinking about my daughter Penelope at the time. So I thought, are you in my house? Penelope, Do you know don't I'm feeling this. like this? Yeah. Um, it was so perfect. Well, tell me about Penelope because she has blossomed since yes, those days. Yes. And Penelope is from where? How did she come into your life? I think in my late 30s, early 40s, I was like, you know, cliche, wait a minute, I forgot to have a kid. <laughs> but unfortunately, I wasn't in a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like bringing another child into the world. I didn't feel the need to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. I didn't need that experience, but I wanted to be a mom. So I decided to start the process of adoption. 
And I wasn't even sure that single moms would be able to do it, but I didn't have anybody at that time who was doing it, so. You didn't have like mentor. No, I've been a mentor now to a lot of people. Uh And it became a real thing in Hollywood. All of a sudden, everybody was adopting, you know, kids from Malawi or. Right, right. (laughs) I just went local. I went to Children's Services in Los Angeles, took a class, signed up, learned a bunch of stuff, became a foster parent. They have a thing called Foster Adopt. And I had a really good social worker who worked with me. And I just did all the steps. And then in the middle of that, I went to New York and did a play. I did that 12th night at Lincoln Center Uh where we reconnected. And then I came back to LA and the social worker was like, are you still interested? And I went, yeah, Yeah. I just was busy with this other thing. So I got back on board the whole adoption train, got approved, got everything done. And then, you know, hearing all the stories, I wasn't sure how long it was going to take. So I started to investigate adoption from China, adoption from Mm -hmm. Vietnam. And I was sitting one day, six months into it, and I got a call from my social worker saying, a girl was born last week. She's here at Hollywood Presbyterian. If you want her, you can have her. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Come tomorrow at 12 o'clock. And I said, okay. You had. But I was so not sure that it was actually going to happen. Oh, yeah. No. And I didn't know it was going to be a newborn. So I had nothing. I had no diapers because you don't know. You have to have a room. Yeah. (laughs) The requirements are a room with a dresser and a bed of some sort Uh because I knew I was going to have a baby. So I didn't tell anybody because I thought, what if it falls through? This is too good to be true. And that morning I went walking with my friend and she's like, why do you have your phone with you? And I said, well, I might have a baby. So we did our usual walk and she was like, what are you going to name her? And I, I don't know. So she was throwing out all these names. And anyway, we finished the walk and I went to the hospital and walked in and there she was in a bassinet. And they said, here she is. Isn't she beautiful? And literally, because she was a newborn and she was super skinny and tiny. Yeah. I mean, she didn't have a name, but she was really wrinkled (laughs) and hairy. I was like, not sure how cute she is, but I love her. You know, I mean, she was not attractive. (laughs) Again, Penelope, don't listen. Don't listen. But it was so weird when they go, isn't she adorable? And I thought, well... No, but I love her. Girls come in. I didn't say, yeah, I didn't say no. But in my head, I thought, wow, ooh. But uh, when I got her home and plumped her up and all the hair fell off her face, she was beautiful. (laughs) She was very furry. She had a full head of hair and fuzz all over her face. Fuzz all. She had like a unibrow. It was scary. She had a little Frida Kahlo baby. Yeah, yeah. She was adorable. How did you come up with the name Penelope? Well, then I could call people and say, I have a baby. And people were like, what? Like <laughs> 10 people showed up of my friends. One who had a premature baby, because Penelope was like four pounds, nine ounces, very uh-huh. tiny, but she was healthy. She brought a big bag of preemie clothes. Uh-huh. So she brought clothes, did the laundry, came back. I mean, she taught me how to do all these things. And all these other people are, what's her name? And I said, I don't know. I can't even think of it. So they were throwing out names, and I'm listening and listening to names. And one person said, she looks like a penny. I think Penelope. And I thought, that's it. Wow, Penelope. It was perfect. 
So the name came from a good friend of mine. Uh -huh. <laughs> and Penelope knows this story. Yeah. Because I'm not good with names. I've never been good with names. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure out that. My dog was, yeah, my, yeah. I had a bird named Bird. I can't, <laughs> I can't even think of names. So Penelope's oh, perfect. I love that story. Yeah. And so coincidentally, Penelope is going to school in Hawaii yes. also. So you're on location here. She's going to school here. I know. You can still be a mom here, yes, which sometimes you wish you didn't have to. That's I right. Know. Yeah. But I try to stay away riding. as much as possible. I yeah. have to, you know, step away so that she can become right. an adult that takes care of herself. But you sort of have semester breaks. I know that yeah. you have just a couple more episodes to go in this season, and right. Magnum's coming back. Yes, I believe. We, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. The official word hasn't come out, okay. but the numbers are good. Yeah. Everybody's assuming. Everybody the numbers were good last season, so that's why Jay already bought right. a two-bedroom condo in this building. Jay, who plays Magnum. Who mm -hmm. plays Magnum. And okay. another character, another actor, already bought a house. Uh-huh. So I'm following that little trend. Yeah. I decided to jump in feet first. And, you know, mm -hmm. we're all going to assume that it's coming back. But, you know, this is not a bad place to have a Exactly. A house. I thought, you know, yeah. even if it so doesn't. So that I can come back when yes. it's not raining yeah, this like is, it this did will my be, whole trip. Yeah. You'll have your own bedroom. There you go. With your own bathroom. Yay. So, yeah. So I decided that I would make a commitment because this is a place that I can, this could be my home base. Yeah. And I could just travel and do things if I want to. So I want to just ask as we go into the home stretch. Because we have dinner reservations. Yes, we do. Because <laughs> I have to go back to the real winter yeah. tomorrow. At the back of Cosmo magazine back in the day. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. They had, the little Brown, yeah, yeah. they had the little thing of, I knew I really made it when. And all of these, like, that girl kind of women in the 70s answered, I knew I'd really made it when. Is there an I, I knew moment for you? Well, I think probably this show has made Magnum me feel PI. that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The second season. And maybe. you're in like 15, 18 episodes of this season now. Yeah. I've always had a 15 out of 20. Got it. So that was my contract to begin with, uh -huh. which is great. Yeah. Because I'm not, you know, I'm a little lazy about everything. <laughs> I like to have a little break. Uh, and I have other stuff going on in LA. So it gives me an opportunity to kind of do other things mm -hmm. besides this. But, you know, I was really ready to do theater again. And then this came up and being with my daughter, it just felt like there was this weird kismet about the universe saying, this is my gift to you. You worked really, really hard. Yeah. You get to be with your daughter and you get to uh, sort of maybe create a new chapter in your life that doesn't include the fear of what's next. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Now it's the first time I don't really worry mm -hmm. about, I mean, even if this show didn't continue, I, I'm collecting my pension from SAG already. Yeah, SAG actually <laughs> benefits. Any minute I'll be getting my Social Security <laughs> checks. You know, so I feel financially okay. I'm really healthy, yep. considering other people my age are that, not. That's a good thing because you're blonde and you're having I'm more fun I'm blonde and having a great life. And, you know, people have told me, really, it's like I'm living my best life right now. I'm mm -hmm. really happy. I've been happy, yep. but I'm really, like, settled and happy. I think the older you get, the better you get that way. I have to agree. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, you want to keep your body okay so that you can still enjoy this 
newfound right. clarity right. about life. Yeah. Oh, Amy Hill, that was fantastic. So I just have to say, it's quite a living. It's quite a life.